Lock on transporters. Beam us up. Scotty. If everything goes according to plan, come beam us up. Captain, beam me up. Energize. Study, a podcast where we usually rewatch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I am Andrea. And I am Oshi. And today we are talking about the 1989 Dead Poet Society movie. Yes. What do you know about it? So, I have seen bits of it. I can't remember if I've seen it all. I know it stars Robin Williams as an English teacher in a very fancy school. Correct. I know that there's a lot of famous stars as the students. You know, young people. They were obviously young back then. Yeah, that's how time works. Yeah. And I know that there is... I don't know if you want to get into spoilers, but I know that there's a story about one of the students who may not want to follow the path his parents want for him. I know, obviously, being Robin Williams, he's not a conventional English teacher and may go up against the school board. Obviously, I know the, the, the things, the last But I'm not sure of the relevance of it. I can't remember where that comes from. I think it's in relation to some work, literature that they're studying. Yep. There's a poem. Hence the title. So, yeah, that, that, that's my knowledge of the movie. Okay. So far. I'm looking forward to rewatching it because I obviously love Robin Williams. Robin Williams is probably the first and only celebrity bet so far that I've actually had emotional love. I've cried with so many. Okay. Yeah, no, I think he was the first because he was just like, crazy, wacky uncle of our childhood. He's been all the movies. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch it, but also a bit sad to watch it. Yeah, but that's what I know. That's what I'm expecting. Okay, do you want me to read the the summary that Google gives? It's just one sentence. Oh, okay, yeah. It's just one sentence. John Keating, a progressive English teacher, tries to encourage his students to break free from the norm, go against the status quo, and live life unapologetically. That's pretty much what I expect. Yeah, that's basically what you said. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> the, um, the, my, I suppose, the kind of, the serious, the very much more serious version of the episode of Community, first season, when Jeff attends the, the class about seizing the day. Yeah, I'm pretty much expecting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm expecting a much more serious I mean, seize the day is a sentence that you're going to listen in this movie, so not far off. Yeah, we're discussing it with you. I feel like we're probably we're going to be on the same page on this one. I, I think so. Um, this is a less segregating, I guess, that's the word movie than the one that we just watched. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And then 
I'm looking forward to obviously going into Star Trek season two. Shall we go into Star season two? Star Trek season two. Whoop whoop. Okay, so we'll be right back after having watched the movie with our commentary. See you now. Dare to walk a new path. Dare to strike out and find new ground. Audiences and critics have found a new and different kind of movie. A movie that's left them cheering and touched their lives. Touchstone Pictures presents Robin Williams. Oh, is this a dagger I see before me? In the most highly acclaimed movie of the year, Dead Poet Society. Language was developed for one endeavor, and that is... To communicate. No! Gene Shalit hailed Dead Poet Society as a classic, one of the most magnificent motion pictures I've seen. Tear out the entire introduction. Rip, shred, tear. It's a compelling drama. Robin Williams' acting will astonish you. Rave sneak previews. This is a battle, a war, and the casualties could be your hearts and souls. And Joel Siegel proclaims Robin Williams brilliant. Robin Williams, he'll make you laugh. I like fire and I give him a 42, but I can't dance to it. He'll make you feel. Seize the day. I'm gonna do it! He'll make you care. Medicine, law, business, engineering. These are noble pursuits. Poetry, romance, love. These are what we stay alive for. Touchstone Pictures presents Dead Poet Society. Discover for yourself what all the cheering is about. So we're back from watching the movie. What movie? Dead Poet Society. They're dead. Society. They're dead. They're dead. Poets. And it's a society. Dead actor society. Um, well, not all of them. Well, only one of them's an actor. In the movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was referring to. Not Robin Williams. Okay, well, spoiler. Robin Williams died. Died. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I was wondering... We are to assume that if someone is, like the movie's from 89, we can talk about spoilers. So, in case anyone out there is considering watching it, trigger warning for suicide? Well, that's that. You, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're, we're doing spoilers. <laughs> uh, no spoilers, guys. But if you're going to watch this and you haven't seen it, trigger no, warning I for mean, suicide. That's <laughs> That's why I was asking, because if we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it. And some people might might find it triggering. That's fair. We could also do, like, uh, archive of our own as, like, major character death. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. So, again, I don't have any notes. I'm going off yours. And what notes do you want me to have? I cried? Yes. This is fair because I know that when it comes to doing movies that I like, I will also have no notes. So, what are your thoughts? So, I liked it. I definitely liked it more than Green Book. I knew you would. Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Fair. I was definitely familiar with it. I'm familiar with certain plot elements. I wish I hadn't been. Which ones? The major ones. <laughs> okay. I knew that one of them killed themselves, and I guessed pretty early on which one it was because he's the only one who's had shit dad that we know of. I think they all have shit dads, but he's is portrayed very yeah. outwardly. Yeah. Uh, and I knew I knew about the old captain my captain. I knew that Robin Williams left in the end, and that was pretty much it. 
but I feel like they're the major things that you would need to know. Because what I what I what I liked about this movie is that there's not really a plot. No. It is kind of just this semester in school following these kids. And I like that. I kind of came away thinking and have since been thinking about how it would have been a really or would be a really good series. Yeah. I feel like you could delve into the students a bit more, maybe delve into Mr. Keating a bit more because he's not really a character. He's more of a plot device. Yeah. Kind of mentor. He comes in with all this great advice and good teacher and stuff. Or is he? Yeah, after after the debate, we're gonna talk about it. But yeah, we don't really know much about him or what motivates him. But yeah, I I overall I liked it. So I'm curious because as we mentioned, this is 1989. So I'm curious when you first saw it, how old you were, and what were your impressions? I was thinking. So, as everybody here knows, I studied English in university. Yeah. I'm an English graduate, and I know that by the time that I was in university, I had already watched it. Okay. <laughs> because when when we were learning about Whitman and reading Oh Captain, My Captain, I was like, oh, no! And those uh, those classes were hard. So, I want to say maybe end of high school. Like, I know that my mother didn't let me watch it when I was young as a Disney movie. I, I know that I wanted to watch it. I don't know why, because I don't like poetry, but I loved reading back then. So I think that's why. I Probably I saw her watching it and I was like, oh, I want to watch it. And she was like, mm, <laughs> no. <laughs> you probably saw Robin Williams and were like, oh, it's Mrs. Doubtfire or Guy from Jumanji or whatever. This is going to be a kid movie. No. So I know that she told me not to watch it, but I I think maybe late teens yeah. before the end of high school is when I watched it, and yeah, I mean, still recovering. <laughs> I remember so talking about my first experience watching it. I think I was young because I didn't completely grasp the. Um, I know what you think I'm gonna say, but it's not <laughs> the concept of this movie is old. And this is not a current movie that just came out. And I remember having the biggest crush on Neil. Oh, no. <laughs> and then watching him in-house and being like, but he's young. Yeah. <laughs> he was young a year ago. Um, Because I did watch House when I was young. I watched a lot of shows that, like medical shows, like Grey's Anatomy. And that one, and all the CSI shows with my mom. We used to watch True Blood. A uh, great show. That was definitely not a kid's show. No, we were we were teenagers no. when that came out. Though. I feel like I was younger than no, I should have no, been. Okay, I'm googling it. Tangent. Uh, True Blood. What year? 2008. So I was 18. I was 14. I was I was too young. Okay, yeah, you were <laughs> you were too young. <laughs> I was too young, like. Yeah, but again, I, I, I don't think that my mom knew what the show was about. And then once I start, it's like, well, you already watched it. Anyway, so yeah, I didn't understand the concept of this movie is old. And I used to have a, the biggest crush on Neil, the actor. And I watched it again. He's very pretty. <laughs> I, 
for me, yes. I think he's very pretty. I think he's very pretty. <laughs> he's not conventionally good looking. Is he not? Well, no. He never really had a big career outside of this and the house. That doesn't mean anything. There are many actors. No, that I know. Are but usually, like Ethan, handsome, Ethan, that... Ethan Hawke did, because Ethan Hawke would have been considered a good-looking one of that. I mean, he's he's good-looking, but I used to have the biggest crush on Neil, and I apparently still do. I'm not criticizing you. I just think it's interesting. And I used to have the crush also on Doctor Wilson on House. Yeah. Because I mean, everybody on House is a dickhead, but. <laughs> He's less of a dickhead. He was not. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends of the moment. But yeah, that was my first experience with this movie. And it traumatized And Yes. <laughs> As it should. I mean, it's not a happy movie. No, no. I'm curious then, because, you know, we're watching this because this is one of your favorite movies. And for me, my favorite movies are ones that I like to rewatch and revisit. <laughs> no. So I'm curious. You're on your fourth rewatch of Star Trek Enterprise. I imagine this is probably not your fourth rewatch of Zen Code Society. No. Um, actually, I have been wanting to rewatch this movie for the last year. Okay. But, like, you have to be ready. Yeah. For the, for the whiplash. So, my favorites are not, they don't have to be. Things that I enjoy rewatching, as much as things that I enjoy, and I think that this movie is a good movie. I think it talks about very important things. I think it's a very important movie for boys. I am the one saying that. <laughs> what is going on? And for for everybody, but I think there is a lack of toxic masculinity, and obviously. I don't think the concept of toxic masculinity was big in the 80s and 90s as it is now. It existed, but it, you wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. And I don't think there's any toxic masculinity in this movie from the protagonist. Obviously, Neil's father, toxic masculinity. The the headmaster, the principal. Like, there there is. But it's portrayed in a bad light. It's not rewarded and it's not celebrated so it's a good movie for that it's also a movie about teenagers as you said there's no plot line because neil wanting to be an actor i guess we're starting with neil in the analysis of this movie because i think it's the more most important probably just get it out of the way as well really yeah <laughs> move on to lighter stuff neil wanting to be an actor doesn't come up until halfway through like it's not like from the very first start that's what he wants to do and the whole movie is about him wanting to become an actor. It's like, as you said, it's a movie about teenagers in school, living their life, probably would be good for a series to get yourself more involved with the characters, both positively and negatively. And it's just a movie about a teacher that inspires a bunch of kids to be more in touch with their feelings. And Again, we can discuss, if you want, whether Mr. Keating is a good or bad teacher or what we think about his teaching methods. But I think, in my opinion, as someone that has studied English, I think he's the prime example of an English teacher. I've had teachers like him. I don't think that a physics teacher or a maths teacher will 
inspire people the same way than philosophy or English or history teacher can, just because of the fields that they're teaching. And so in my experience, I have had those teachers that have inspired me to be better or that have said things to me that have stuck with me. Like, I, I still remember things that I was told in high school by a teacher mm. because I think it's important to tell kids that. And also, one of the main topics of the of the film, at least the first half of the film, is Mr. Keating is trying to get them to think for themselves and be free thinkers, as he says, and everybody's trying to cut back and be like, they're kids. No, they shouldn't. But if you teach your kids not to be free thinkers when they're kids, they won't be free thinkers as adults. That's not how it works. Yeah, you're you're brainwashing them into going with the flow and not questioning anything. And as adults, they're not going to start questioning things, and they're not going to start changing once they're fifty, like Neil's father. So I think it's a very important movie, and I think it's sad that the ending is the way it is because I think it would be a good movie to show in high schools but not not with that ending. No. I'm going to go back to the point about the toxic masculinity because I would I agree with you on that. But one of my notes is that because I didn't remember the kind of the really intricate details of it. And so when it started one of my first notes was God I hate teenagers because I do and I usually hate movies about teenagers and about school because I just find it incredibly frustrating how these tiny little things that you do worry about as a teenager, they just seem so meaningless now as an adult. And when you watch movies about yeah. teenagers, I really struggle with that. Um, I just want to yell at the screen, it doesn't matter. None of this matters. But yeah, yeah. I was really worried when this movie started that there was going to be an antagonist or kind of cliques in the movie. So for instance, James Dalton's character, I really thought he was going to be a Draco Malfoy, if you will, a kind of bully or a jock who was going to be the villain of the movie. Who's that? Uh, Nwanda. Oh, okay. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. And he is a bit of a jerk, but he does actually turn out to be kind of heroic as well in his own way. But I really like that this is a movie about friendship. And they don't all get on, and they do kind of, you know, have a go at each other. I thought it was a really, as a boy, I thought it was a really accurate portrayal of male friendships and bonding. It's really good, and I like that they didn't feel the need to go down that, oh, we need we need someone to pick on these guys, or to, to bully them, someone for them to stand up to. Because at the end of the day, they do have that, but it's the adults who are trying to restrict their thinking. And yeah, I mean, overall, I obviously do agree with Mr. Keating's teachings of free thinking, because that introduction to the poetry book, yeah. that he makes them rip out, I would love to know if that was inspired or based on a real textbook it wouldn't be surprising me at all if there was a textbook that had that yeah but like you i don't really like poetry and i feel like i would have enjoyed the movie a bit more if if i did give a shit about poetry yeah i think i mean it's it's a warning like it's a dead poet like it's in the title right like you don't go in there when you don't know how to read and it's not overloaded with poetry no there there are snippets it's not hardcore poetry oh you need to know your written or your film or whatever before going into this but i did struggle to relate to that like i can appreciate certain poetry and i've studied poetry in school 
but it's just not something I go to to read. Yeah, so I think if we enjoyed, or if you enjoy poetry, you will enjoy their meetings more. Yeah. But for us, I think what we have to take away is what is in the poetry, and it's just the teachings of Mr. Keating. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like the poetry is important. The important part is that a man came and opened their eyes, basically, to love and passion and poetry and uh, as a way to navigate a world that they're coming into. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with the poetry that they're reading, like the words that they're reading. It's more like how they're using poetry as a as escape of what they're living. And you can do that with anything. Maybe you don't like poetry, but you like painting, or you like movies, or you like writing, or you like reading books, like novels. And I think that it is important as teenagers to find what makes you not escape reality in an unhealthy way, but realize that there's more to life than just saying yes to everything and conforming to what is said to you. Yeah, I'm more to life than getting a real job your parents approve of or have set out for you. Yeah. Anyway, well, we're talking about Neil. <laughs> yeah, so, Neil, like you say, the acting doesn't come in until halfway through the movie. And I do think Robert Sean Leonard, Robert Sean Leonard? Yeah. I think he's really good in this film. I think he's, he's a really good actor. I, I don't I don't think it's his fault. Uh, I think maybe the movie's fault, and obviously it has time constraints because it's going on two hours. I do wish we'd got more, maybe a sense, a more sense from that character, that there was maybe hints of depression or more sense that he felt trapped. I don't think there was any depression. And this is it. So for me, I I'm curious to know what you think when you first watched this. I think you can see the moment when he makes the decision. I don't think there was hints of it. Like in the in the conversation with his father, you can see when he's standing up to him and they're shouting and he's saying, you don't let me express myself or talk about my, what I feel. And his father is like, okay, tell me. And he's like, nothing. In his eyes, you can see, not worth it, I'm going to die. Like, it's a decision that he makes. If I cannot live like I want to live, I don't want to live. Yeah. I just, it didn't it didn't strike me as believable. Not believable, but I just, it didn't have the impact I wanted it, it should have had for me. And I'm curious to know what your opinion is, because unfortunately, as I said, in watching this, I did know that that was coming. And so, I don't know if you can remember, but in my... I would have liked to have watched this without knowing to see what impact that would have had, whether it would have been a surprise. But because I knew it was coming, I wasn't. I can't judge whether that groundwork was done properly. If that makes sense. Um, I remember I didn't know, and it was heartbreaking. Again, I was a teenager, and I was attracted to him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, there were many biases, but I remember that it it really hit hard. And then after he's he's dead, 
everything goes down with his friends and you see how they're aching and how they miss him and yeah it was it was painful and it was painful when i watched it now <laughs> wow <laughs> um but i i mean as we said could have been like if it had been from the beginning but i think from the beginning we know that his relationship with his father is bad yeah and there is a degree of emotional abuse that i think every man had growing up until maybe recently, if you're lucky to have a good father, because men don't know how to deal with their emotions in a healthy way. So if you have a, a an emotionally stunted father that has a, a, a kid like him, who is active and has opinions and wants to do things that you don't approve of, I think there's a potential for emotional abuse. That is not intentional, but it, it is <laughs> emotional abuse. I don't think all abuse has to be intentional. Like, I don't think the the father has to be like, oh, I hate my kid. I want to, to make his life miserable. That's where trauma comes in and going to therapy and, and discovering, oh, shit, I have daddy issues. I have mommy issues because of things that my parents did for my benefit that didn't benefit me. So we know that from the beginning, maybe if the acting had been from the beginning and we had seen a fight between them from the beginning, it would have been more striking, I guess. But I remember it being striking enough, so. And I agree. I think I think it is well done because, like you say, his father is emotionally abusive. But it would have been very easy for the movie. A lot of movies have done this where they just portray the, the controlling parent as evil and almost doing it on purpose. And I, I obviously completely disagree with these parents, and I wish that they could see how unhappy their son is. But it is, it's a weird situation. It's not they they do kind they do want what's best for him in their own way, but it's just the wrong way. Yeah. And it's tragic. And when it happens, their reaction is very real. In their lives are shattered. And you can see, even the father does get emotional. Yeah. Like, that's why I said emotional abuse doesn't have to be like, oh, I hate my kid. Yeah. In my life, I have experienced emotional abuse because I wasn't given what I needed, but my mom was trying to give me what she thought I needed. And those two aren't always the same. And you just have to, when you grow up, realize, well, it's okay that I'm hurting because it hurt me, but it didn't come from a place of, anger or hatred is just like what life does right like it happens with friendships too i can try to be a good friend to you but being a good friend to you doesn't mean the same thing that you being a good friend to me and there may be some misunderstanding so in the case of this movie i think the father is doing it because he thinks that being a doctor is the best way that his kid is gonna be happy and the problem comes when the kid is like no <laughs> that's not how I feel and the father is like you don't know how you feel because you're a kid basically that's what parents do like oh you can't possibly know what you want to do with your life so let me do that for you and sadly this person Neil was very set on what he wanted to do and he didn't 
think that going to military school and then medical school because he was going to be sent to military school like it's not just about acting i think there it's the punishment for doing what he did being taken from his friends school basically home away from home because it's a boarding school it is his home essentially yeah he's being alienated from who he is and everything that he knows to be thrown into a place that he doesn't want to be there he doesn't feel like he belongs probably like what is he doing in <laughs> military school yeah no offense but like the guy is a stick <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's not gonna work out and also like he's a he's a poet so right like he he likes poetry and acting and shakespeare <laughs> yeah and his only option in that moment was to end it suddenly and that's how many people feel how many teenagers feel and i think that this movie is also very good for parents to realize that what you want and what you think is best for your children like the father says you're gonna have or you're having a better life than i ever had or could have dreamt of right but what you want for yourself or what you would have wanted for yourself doesn't mean that he wants it and i don't think that he's being unappreciative or rude to ask for something different because like he's keeping up his studies it's not like he's not studying or stopping to go to class or do his assignments like he's acing everything he says that he's got straight a's he just doesn't want to be a doctor, which is ironic because then his next big role yeah. <laughs> as a doctor. But yeah, like, it's just listen to your kids, please. Kids know more than we give them credit for. And I hate kids. I hate teenagers. I don't want to be a mother. But I don't want to be a mother for these kids, right? Uh, I don't want to cause that damage to my child. <laughs> and I know because I know how I am and how I behave and how I think that I may not be the best option for a child or I don't know, like I, I don't, I don't have that instinct to be a mother. Right. And that's fine. That's great. If you know that it's better to know it before having the child than after having it. <laughs> so I think for, for parents of children that want to go in a different direction than what they hoped for, just listen to your kid. They know more than we give them credit for. And it's not bad to let them choose. They can fuck up. Like, they don't have to be perfect. We just have to be there when they fall. <laughs> That's what being a parent is. <laughs> like, yeah. He could have tried to be an actor and failed. And then he went to doctor school, <laughs> medical school. And, yep. I'm always curious. Because obviously there are parents like these in the world, unfortunately. I'm always yep. curious because there's so many movies about this topic, about controlling parents and letting your kids be who they want to be. And I'm I'm always curious how these parents view these movies or do they ever see these movies? Has somebody ever watched one of these movies and been like, oh shit, that, that is me and I should change? Or do they kind of make excuses for themselves in their head? I'd love to know. Or maybe they, I mean, at the end of the movie, when I think the audience knows that his father was to blame for the death. Well, Mr. Nolan does say, we promised the parents that there'll be an inquiry. So clearly the parents are in some sort of denial. Don't, they don't realize. No. 
Which is fair enough. They just lost their child. So it makes sense that they're in denial. However, the kids are made to believe that they were the ones that helped this with Mr. Keating's teachings and the meetings and everything. Like being expelled in the case of Nuwanda or being forced to confess or like, I think it's clear to the audience that the culprit is the father. Oh, yeah. Sadly. <laughs> but the movie puts the blame on the only person that cared for Neil's dreams and ambitions. And I think that also happens in real life. So about the rest of the group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so now we got the downer out of the way. Yeah. Who Who do you want to talk about next? Well, let's do Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Uh, okay, this will be short. Yeah. I mean, they're all going to be shorter. Yeah, yeah. So, he's shy, parents neglect him, he's sad. <laughs> <laughs> End of story. <Yeah>. Next. <laughs> um, I think the same way that you think that the death or the suicide would have been better with more exposition and more examples of the relationship with his father and the acting and all that, I think Anderson's reaction to Neil's passing would have been greater if we had seen that relationship build up. Because obviously we see it. Uh, Neil is the one that is like, okay, it's okay if you don't read. It's okay. There's obviously a friendship there that the fandom ships and they're together. Okay? So they're, they're boyfriends. But I think if, they, if we would have seen it more and that relationship and how close they were, like even just snippets of them being in the room studying together i don't know it would have been more impactful because we see him going crazy bananas he goes bananas but i don't think we see the friendship getting to that degree of i want to puke in the snow and walk into a frozen lake which is okay <laughs> he's not sinking into the lake he's just standing there so yeah i think it, it's important to consider where that friendship came from. Yeah, we get that moment with the birthday present, the desktop. Which is funny. It's a fu it's a good it's a good funny gag. It's funny, but it is also like it's really sad that his parents got him the same yeah. gift. And it's a really nice moment between them that they can comfort each other. Or well that Neil comforts him. Yeah, I think they both were abused by their fathers or parents. So I think they, they bonded over that. Like, I, I think Neil knew what to say because he had been there. Yeah, I think, I agree with you. I, I think you're right that we, we needed more work done on that friendship. And again, this is where I think maybe a series would have been better, but obviously Netflix didn't exist in the late 80s. But also, I also, I wonder if actually they had combined the two characters into one character. Because I feel like if you had that shy Todd Anderson who then suddenly discovers this love of acting and it brings him out of his shell, but he still kind of feels trapped oh. by his father. I think that would have been more impactful because Neil, he's a very outgoing person anyway. And so the acting fits, it works, but you don't get that sense of 
and this is why I think the the suicide didn't have the impact for me. You don't get that sense of rep- he's repressed, like he's obviously trapped. We know that, but I think maybe we, maybe I needed, and maybe this is just me. I needed a bit more of that repression in his day to day life. Whereas outside of those scenes with his dad, he seemed like quite a happy child with his friends and doing the poetry. Whereas Todd was obviously the more reclusive individual. I think it would have been nice if he had found that outlet. Yeah, or even the same, like even Neil is the one acting and I think it would have been, see, but then, I don't know, because, so my, my brain is going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Uh, I think it would have been an interesting take to have the shy and quiet guy be the one into acting and finding an escape through that and then being denied that. I think that would have been a good movie as well. But maybe having Neil just taken away, because Neil was his escape and his help to come out of his shell. And he was his friend. So maybe having Neil taken away to the school instead of dead could have been used as a way for Anderson to be the one that killed himself or something like that. I'm not sure. And even even thinking about it now, that yeah, that could have worked as well if they had split them up. Yeah. Like if Mr. Keating leaves and then for whatever reason, he wouldn't have a reason to leave if there was nobody. But like if Mr. Keating and Neil both left Anderson, it would have been a reason enough for him to leave. Yeah. That said though, I think just thinking back on it now, obviously that moment at the end, like tragic as the circumstances are, it is there is a slight triumph to it. And part of that triumph is the fact that it is Anderson, the shy one, the person who would never stand up in front of people to read. He's the first one to get up on top of that desk. That's when I really lose it. <laughs> That's the moment. Yeah. You can see when Mr. Keating comes in, you can see the debate that he's going through in his mind. Like he's seeing him put his coat on and his scarf and whatever. And you can see Anderson being like, this is not right. This is not okay. This is not what's supposed to be. And you can see everything. And you're like, will he say anything? Will he? And when Mr. Keating goes past him, he's like, oh, I want to say something. And then he does. And I think the the fact that he shouts they forced us to do it, to sign. It's it's just... I think this is a very good movie because they're kids, right? And their parents are there and what are they going to do? Not sign it? Yeah, I think... No. It's made... <laughs> I, For me, it's made very clear and maybe this is just me reading into it. I can't remember if it's said explicitly, but it's made very clear t- to me that Mr. Keating knows that they were forced to sign it and that they didn't turn their backs on him and betray him. It's it's implied. Yeah. At the end, at least, I think he knows that they didn't want him to go. I don't think it's ever said, other than Anderson being like, they made us do it. And then all of them stand up except for Cameron. Well, there are other kids in the class that yeah. don't stand up. But, but like, Cameron the is group. the one from the main group that doesn't yeah. eat a shit. I was like, I forgot, I forgot that he was the one that signed it willingly. Like, he wanted that. 
So I forgot that. And the whole movie, I was like, why do I don't like him? <laughs> why do I hate this guy? <laughs> what did he do? He, he seems fine. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Makes sense. It's interesting, though, and I think this might be a segue. I don't know. Maybe we have more to say about Anderson. But I had to rewind when he's signing the document and you see the other signatures. And James's name isn't on it. Obviously, he's expelled at that stage, but I was wondering, like, oh, would there be just his name in a blank space, or would it be crossed out? Well, he's not a student anymore. No, I know, but I would have assumed... I, my impression was that he was expelled because he refused to sign. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, Anderson, I, I like Anderson. I mean, there's not much to like to him. He's, uh, he's a shy guy. Yeah, there's not much to like or dislike. He's, uh, I think, again... If it, it had been a show, would have been better, I think. If it had been done the same way, like, it could have been a bad show. But, yeah, I think if we had more time to get to know them individually, it would have been... I just want to clarify as well. I, I don't mean to be dismissive of Anderson, because of all of these characters, Anderson is the one that I relate to. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not being dismissive. Um, but... Yeah, his not in terms of just in just in terms of him, just his character, not in terms of his shit childhood. But yeah, who do I relate to the most? Oh, I think I know which one you are. Now and when I was in high school, are two different answers. <laughs> but one of the quotes that I remember my teachers telling me is my philosophy teacher told me that people cut the grass that sticks out, which is basically this movie. Yeah, it's basically this movie. So that was when I was 16 that she told me that. Because obviously I always stand out. I was always the different one in the class. And it, I always felt bad about it until that. It's like people don't usually like people that stand out. But it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing because grass grows. Like she didn't mean it in a bad way. She meant it in a positive way. Like you're sticking out and people want to cut you down, but don't let them. So I don't know if I would have been an Wanda kind of person. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I wanted to be a Neo. And I wanted to be the leader that has everything figured out. But I think I may be an Wanda. <laughs> Can I, like, a, a slightly off topic. We'll come back to the characters. But I just, one of my main notes as well, and it kind of relates to what we were talking about, how just in general, the structure of education and society in this movie. Is there any movie or piece of media that anybody has watched and thought, wow, I'd love to have lived in the 50s. I feel like the 50s is by far the worst decade of, maybe not human history, but definitely the 90s. Like the 50s just is... All the shit seems to have happened in the 50s. It's the worst. It's the most repressive, like racist, depressing decade, I feel. I don't think there's any movie ever that ever portrays the 50s in a positive light. Just an observation. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't born then. Yeah, me... Listen, me, yeah. me too. <laughs> I am guilty of being like, oh, I wish I was born in insert time that I... I really didn't want to be born in <laughs> when I didn't know about it, right? Like, oh, I didn't know about the w struggles that women faced in the 1800s. Wait, 
I just knew that. Sorry, women. What are women? What does what? What are I don't women? understand. What What are women? Women. No women in this movie. Is that a food? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we don't women didn't see. exist in the fifties. Um, but yeah, so I was guilty of saying that, but then you grow up and you realize we have it so much better than anyone before us. For the most part, for the most part, there are politics in place yeah. <laughs> that may take that away. But in general terms, progress is progress, right? So why would you want to be born in the 50s? And I've seen people on TikTok that is like, I would have liked to live in the 50s, 60s because of the fashion and all that. But when I say that, I don't mean like actually living. Just wear a 60s dress. Like, what are you saying? Nobody's telling you that you cannot dress like they did in the 60s. Yeah, bring it back. Or 50s or 20s. <laughs> but <laughs> are you dumb? Especially women wanting to be born before the 90s. What are you doing? Yeah, you gotta, you gotta question that. Like, my mom's from the 60s and I wouldn't want to have been her. Anyway, tangent over. <laughs> Well, not not quite, because I was going to say that we we're talking about how like oh, okay. how good we have it now, and I was I was thinking about how also shit we have it, and I think it's important to note that you know while we got to know these kids, and you know grow with them and appreciate them and like them, these are boomers who will grow up to be you know the the bankers, and they're you know in a private school, they're probably all bankers and you know rich doctors and lawyers. Yeah. Who have screwed over White the younger privilege. generation, our generation now at the moment. And probably accumulated a lot of wealth. No, but they are from, they're from the 60s, aren't they? Technically, the boomers are the, the generation born after the World War, World War II. Right, but Mr. So, in the book that Mr. Keating used for the meetings, it's signed 40-something. So, he was a student in the 40s. So, I assumed that it was like a 20-year... No, this is definitely set in the fifties. But how old is he? Like there, there are there are black people in this movie. No, there's in not. the high school that there's one <laughs> at least. I didn't. But there's like they're integrated in the school. They're in the same school that the lady goes to. Like he was in the band. There was a black kid in the band, so that's why I thought the sixties. Uh, it's set in nineteen fifty nine. Oh. So what is a black kid doing in a white school? <laughs> I don't know. I do not know. Like, listen, good for them. But I wouldn't beg this city for the most revolutionary and civil rights advanced city of all. Mm, yeah, no, certainly not. And there was at least one black guy in the band in the high school that she was in the public high school I, I assume so that's why i assume the, the 60s because it's like oh there was a black what guy public high school <laughs> so overstreet's girlfriend the one the only one woman oh yeah 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 that's high school i forgot that yeah so i don't know i don't know yeah let's talk about overstreet Knox overstreet Knox. I, I genuinely think it might be the coolest name in movie history no why is it wasted on this dude on a side character. <laughs> like, sorry, that's that's like action hero Knox Overstreet. Yeah, so good. What's Knox short for? Knox. Knoxville. Knoxville? Do you think so? No. Knoxville? Knoxville? Yeah, maybe. 
I don't think it's short for anything. Yeah, okay, tell me what you think of it, Knox. Um, well, he falls in love with a woman that he's seen once. Does he fall in love or does he become obsessed? He falls in love. <laughs> quote unquote, for our listeners. He falls in love with a woman that he's met. He's not met, he's seen once. He, they've said hello to each other. Yeah, he, he opens the door yeah. and he's like, this one, this, this is it. This is the first woman I've seen. Which it could be, because it is literally the first move woman we've seen in the exactly. movie. Exactly, so I think is. that's the reason. She's a beautiful woman, like, don't get me wrong, but like... I did mean to look her up and see what she's done. I don't think anything. I don't think so, either. So yeah, he falls in love with a woman that he's seen once, and then he becomes obsessed and doesn't take no for an answer, and at the end of the, of, of the movie, they're together. So I love him, of course. This is amazing. Are you being serious? Uh, uh, no, I think the only good thing about his character is his name. <laughs> I mean, I do, I do like him outside of there, his lovesick uh, storyline. It's problematic. It's problematic. It's so problematic. He kisses her when she's asleep and drunk, and he's drunk, and he touches her hair. Like, <clears throat> but it's a 1989 movie. I'm not expecting the most respectful relationship. Yeah. And from someone, from, from some two, that we we both love Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Yeah. This is okay. <laughs> There's no kidnapping. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think it aged very poorly, obviously. But I don't think also there's any malice in him. He literally thinks he's in love and acts like, like he's a teenager in love. Whatever. Would I have preferred if he didn't get the girl? Yes. Maybe a visit from the cops? Yes. But it's... That's how I watched it back then. I can't be mad about that. Uh, yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said, though. About Knox. Deeply problematic. Nice guy. Versus Jock. Kind of set up. Chet could be a lovely guy. We don't know. We're just told he's a jerk. Yeah. Could be a really good boyfriend. I mean, we don't have any reason... To think otherwise, the only thing that is made made make makes us think that she doesn't want to be with him is that he doesn't want to go to a play, and he doesn't read poetry, which is fair enough. I don't either. So the green flag. <laughs> do, do you know how much money you would have to pay me to go to a high school representation of a Shakespeare play? <laughs> like, yeah. There's not enough money in this world. I was I was watching the, the play and I was like, I don't know what is happening. And I had a final exam about this play. Also, why are they why are they doing no. Why are they doing Midsummer Night Stream for Christmas? Are, are, are like for kids. It's about June. Okay, it's not very sexual, but it's a raunchy Shakespeare play. Yeah, it's it's a uh, spicy. Yeah, spicy. For Shakespeare for the time. It's wide wide level of spicy, but it's spicy, and it's about the twenty fourth of June. It's a summer's play. <laughs> it's in the title. I'm sure they could have done another Shakespeare play, Hamlet, <laughs> whatever other there are. I just, I that didn't even occur to me. How I was like, why, why, why? Do you think they did it for the the imagery of his? His crown in the snow, in the winter snow, in his room at home. 
but there are so many kings in other places that they could have just literally given him a crown. I don't know. This speech that he does at the end is pretty relevant, though, where he's like almost talking to his dad. Oh, yeah, he's definitely talking to his dad. Yeah, so I think maybe that's why they picked it for that speech. Then make it an end of, of year place. <laughs> um, but yeah, summer used to be six months long before, I think, before spring. Yeah, spring wasn't a spring. It was summer, fall, and winter. And midsummer, night stream, means what we now consider the beginning of summer, which is the 23rd of June. First of May. Which is... What? <laughs> what? First of May. That's not the beginning of... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so the beginning of summer, relating not to the weather, but to the sun... And the Earth relative position, okay? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> the 23rd of June is the shortest night and the longest day. And that's why it's the beginning of summer. <laughs> okay? Okay. <laughs> so that's when this happens. It literally is the 23rd of June. Why are we doing this with snow? Why is there snow? Should it be another play or another time of year? I don't know. Or in Australia. I don't know. Um, any any more stand-ups? Did we talk about Nuwanda? I don't think we talked about it. No, yeah, but have we anything more to say on Nock first? Oh, no. So, Nuwanda. What are your thoughts? Because if, if you think I'm him. Okay, so obviously... I don't like him. He's my least favorite character. <laughs> I'm really torn on him. Obviously, the whole Nuwanda thing is very problematic. Yes. I don't think we need to say anything more about it. Let's just not discuss it or mention that name again. James Dalton is his name. I mean, I would have changed it too if my friend was called Knox Overstreet and I was called <laughs> James. James Dalton. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to change it. Yeah, I'm torn because, like, he's a bit of a jerk, but he's also the. He's a lovable jerk. He's a lovable jerk. He's the one who I think takes Teasing's teachings more to heart or maybe not necessarily for the right reasons and maybe he goes about it the wrong way but he's certainly the one who's more willing to challenge the system so yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of torn i don't i would hate the guy who brings two strangers regardless of gender to our secret group society i would be like what are you doing why are you bringing these randomers here this, i would never do that this is our thing just take them away why are you sullying this in that scene, I was Neil 100%. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Oh, if you join... Join? <laughs> no, fuck off. But, yeah, I like him. And I wish... I feel really robbed that we didn't get a farewell between him and Teasing. Like, he's not in the classroom when they do Oh, Captain, My Captain. Because he's actually been expelled for standing up for Mr. Teasing. And he's the one who has that moment with Mr. Keating after the phone call in the assembly, which varies on whether I think it's funny or not. Uh, but he's the one who has that discussion about whether, oh, I thought you'd approve. And, you know, Keating has that discussion about reckless and cautiousness. And yeah, I think it's a shame that we don't get a final scene between them. Yeah. 
but life is like that. And he's the one as well who I think everyone watching this movie would kind of want, not want to be, but who wishes they would be that person who says, oh, I'm exercising my right not to watch. I was like that in high school. That makes sense. I believe that. It doesn't pan out well. Like having your own opinions and exercising your right not to do what everybody's doing doesn't pan out well. No. Because teenagers shit. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think he's an, a lovable dickhead. I think he has many flaws. And I think it's the only one whose flaws are mentioned to him when Mr. Keating goes and, and is like, that's not what I meant. And I think he's the one that changes the most. I, w- I wanted to say learns, but I'm not sure if learns is right. I think changes the most in the movie. And I agree with you that I would have liked to see a farewell between Mr. Keating and him. And I can only just imagine that they met outside of school and did so. And I also, because I relate to him in some way, I would have liked to see the relationship with his parents. Because that's, I think, not a single person in this movie teenager i mean has a good relationship with his parents and that is why mr keating has such an impact on them because it's a positive male influence and again i think that's why this movie is so important to continue to be shown and yes there's problematic things with the wooing of girls and sexualization like james literally brings a nude poster of a girl but I think that's normal boy behavior in an old boy school. I'm not offended by that. I think worse things happen now. <laughs> yeah. Pornhub on your phone. Like, I'm, you know. So there are things that I have changed. But I, th- I still think this movie is very good for boys, young teenage boys to see. Because it gives them another way of expressing themselves. And I think questioning the status quo is a great thing. Which is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I continue to do. Like, it's not like I changed from high school. I'm just better at it now. I'm better at controlling my emotions and expressing them. I want to believe. I was full of anger in high school. Yeah, you've become more Vulcan. And I still am, but like... Sorry? You've become more Vulcan. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. You just said I've become better Absolutely at not. controlling I think my emotions. If you said that in front of a Vulcan, they would look at me and be like, uh-uh. <laughs> I, didn't say, I didn't say you'd become full Vulcan. I said just slightly more towards the Vulcan scale than you were I've before. I think I've become more Spock. Okay. Uh, no, it, I think it, I, I have become better at knowing what emotions I'm feeling and how to let them out. But I'm still very angry about the status quo and how society works. And yeah, I am still Nuwanda. I would have I would have liked at the end of this movie as well, I was thinking. I would have liked a... Where are they now? Yeah, exactly. Or just a, like, you know the way, I don't know if you've seen, like, Stand By Me or these movies, you know, at the end of, like, real-life movies, they have, like, the white text on a black screen saying, oh, James Dalton grew up to be... He went on to... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have liked that. What would you think they 
they went on to do. I think Mix, like, I don't think we need to talk about Mix. Mix is okay. Mix is fine. He's a nerd. Mix and Pips went on to do what their fathers wanted them to do, which was a banker. I think, no, I think, they, I think they set up a radio station because they were the two that were obsessed with the radio. Yeah, but I think it was because they couldn't have it and they wanted to listen to music. Yeah, maybe. So maybe they set up a record company. A record store. I mean, that would have been fun. So I think that they went on to do what their parents wanted them. And then James, I think I want to believe that he helped lead the civil rights movement and probably died. <laughs> like, I don't think he made it to 80. Well, I was going to say, I mean, a lot of the, well, not a lot of, but some of them probably ended up in, in Vietnam, unfortunately. Oh, right. Yeah. Although they are in a private school, so they probably may have been able to get out of it. Yeah, I don't know. He probably went to Vietnam and killed his own. <laughs> he probably was. He probably was a Vietnam protester. Yeah. He, yes. See, I, I I know that he. I feel like he would have been in any protest for civil rights or like. I don't just, know about yeah. I don't know about civil rights because he was he's a hippie. still. Yeah, he's still a dickhead. Yeah, but he he has morals. He's a dickhead, but with morals, like me. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would have been a hippie because he, oh no. Movement no 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 he's not a hippie basically no, no. yeah no yeah I think so no. and I'm talking he has the money to not have to work he's white so he's not gonna get in any trouble with the law and he loved smoking and stuff so I'm sure that he's super happy to be high on everything and hippies were basically opposing the war so I think I think he would have been a hippie. I don't think he would have gone full hippie with the long hair. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I can't, I think I so. can't see it. I can't see it. And Anderson, I think, was a teacher. Yeah, I think a teacher along Mr. Keaton lines are like a playwright or something, a poet. So you think Mix and Peeps went on to do something radio or music related? No. I'd like to think they did, but no, I think, I think Pitts is probably a lawyer and Meeks is probably an accountant. Poor, poor babies getting money and getting paid and being in corporate America and being able to buy a house with their first paycheck. What? Oh, I feel so bad for them. And then Knox is probably... I think he was whatever they wanted him to be. And he has his wife and kids. And he. I think he conformed. Yeah. I think the only one... The, the two only people that didn't conform were Anderson and james and i think it was because of how impacted they were by mr keating yeah again it just shows that we don't why it would have been good as a series because we don't know much about like pips and meeks we don't know what they wanted or what their passions were i mean we see them with the radio and they clearly do like music so maybe they did go into something like that but yeah it would have been nice to see more of that and also i was thinking two things it would have been nice to see because we don't really see them in other classes. We don't see how Mr. Keating's teachings impact them in other classes. Because they're only studying other subjects. And you would think that the challenge of free thinking would come up and maybe the challenge, the te- challenging the teachings of other subjects. So what you're saying is that you're uh, officially l- launching a petition to make the series of the Dead Poet Society. Um, and also, my other thought, like there are other boys in this school other classes like 
Mr. Keating is presumably having an impact on all of them as well. I would like to see more of that. Yeah. Uh, so should we should we move on and discuss the the man himself? Oh, Captain, my Captain. Uh, as I said, I had a teacher. Well, I had teachers like him that changed my life, even if it was for the time that I was in school. And I think that his way of teaching is the way. I don't think it works for all subjects, obviously. But I think giving kids the option to grow instead of just regurgitating what is being told to them is the way to go. And also seeing students in a individual way and not painting them all with the same brush because every person is different and what works for Neil doesn't work for Anderson and it doesn't work for James and you have to adapt your teaching to the person and I think he does that well. Yeah, no, I agree. I think I think he is a good teacher and certainly he's good at yeah, making teaching. making them, yeah, no, he's good at he's good at making <laughs> them challenge their perceptions of how they think the world works or should work. Yeah. I do wish we got to know more about him, but I also think that would take away also from from him as well. Like, it's hinted at, obviously, that he has a girlfriend back in the UK. I'd like to know what he was like in school. Because you know, you know that if there was a Netflix series of this, they would definitely have, like, a flashback episode or episode 8 to him in, in school. And it would probably be terrible and really boring and I'd want to skip it. But they would do it. <laughs> I think he would have been like James. My my big or Neil. My big question about Mr. Keating is that he went to Welford and he knows what it's like. And I don't I don't care how good your intentions are or how good a person you are. Why why would you go back? Like I I guess his whole thing is oh he wants to change it and have an impact and maybe have it so that other kids don't experience what he experienced as well. Yeah. But I'm also like, is it is it worth is the impact that you have on those kids knowing that you're not going to change the overall school? Are they going to have? I feel like he could have he would have been better off, better served. Other kids would have been better served with him in a different school. I think any kids that come in contact with him in his classes will benefit. Oh, 100%, yeah. So, it doesn't really matter where he is, then. I think, in my case, when I still wanted to continue studying and become a teacher, I did consider going back to my university to teach, because I know that <laughs> they needed me. <laughs> um, and it's not a, a place that I particularly like, and it's not like the memories that I have there, necessarily. But it's like, well, I know that they need me there. Okay. They will need me anywhere. They will be glad to have me anywhere. But I know that they need me. So I would have liked to go back there. So I understand why he would go back. I mean, I, I, w I have to assume that he had a good experience in the school because he had the, the society, the dead poet society. So even if it's a strict school, and I, like, I think it, it all only helps his case. I think he knows what they do, 
and he knows that the kids there would benefit of someone like him. Yeah, no, I agree. I was just thinking, because you mentioned that he, he obviously brings the Dead Poet Society to their attention, or they discover it through his annual. And that was that was unclear, because they say, oh, we couldn't find reference to it anywhere else. So for, for a while I was like, was, was the Dead Poet Society just cheating on his own in the cave? <laughs> but now I'm thinking, was, was Keating the James of his group? Because I feel like... That's what I said. You didn't. I did. When did, you, when did you say that? When we started talking about him just now. Well, say it again and elaborate on why you said it. Well, I think he was the rule breaker. I think he's not scared to question things. And I think that just the difference is that for Mr. Keating... Well, we don't know. Maybe he had a teacher that presented this to him. But I think that maybe he just wasn't compliant. And he wanted more of the experience of reading poetry and maybe he was in love with poetry to begin with and found people akin to him that liked poetry as well and therefore they they formed it but i think he was well in this movie or in this in the second generation of dead poets it was neil that started it because he had the conversation with eating or whatever like he was influenced by him but I think personality-wise, Mr. Keating was a James. More like a fight the system. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, my final question then about Mr. Keating for you. Yeah. Like, obviously we agree with his teachings. And we largely agree with his method. Is it a bit weird in a Dumbledore-esque way that he gives James the Dead Poet Society book? No. He gives it to Neil, first of all, not James. Sorry, Neil. Apologies. But I don't think so. I don't think he wanted him to die. I think he wanted him to be happy. And sadly, his, his father was in the way of his happiness. The problem here is that Mr. Keating didn't know the extent of how much pressure Neil's father put on him. And he thought, maybe because he's an idealist, that talking things out between Neil and his parents or father would be enough. And it wasn't. I mean, I'm, I'm confused because... He didn't talk to the dad, though. He lied. He right, no. But he, they had a conversation, right? And the father told him that he didn't approve, but he was allowed to finish the play. I don't think he had that conversation. I think he lied to Mr. Keating. Hmm. Because because he was saying he did he doesn't like it or he's not happy, but he's letting me finish the play. So I assumed that it was true. Interesting. My interpretation was that he's lying to Mr. Keating. He hasn't had the conversation, and that's why his father like takes him away at the end. Because otherwise, in any other in any other movie, that would be like a triumphant moment where the father oh, realizes that his son is happy and is actually good at something. And let them continue. But because I don't think they've had that conversation, his father is doesn't even care. He's just furious that his son has betrayed him and made a fool of him. That's why I was confused, because I had understood that he was saying the truth, and therefore it doesn't make sense that the next day his father shows up, and it's like, <laughs> no. I thought of the idea that he was lying, but I don't know, the scene makes it 
feel like he's saying the truth. I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, I don't think it was Dumbledore-esque. I think it was Mentor-esque, and it didn't work out. I I absolutely don't think that Keating is responsible for Neil's death in any way. But I I just think it's interesting because he has that conversation with James about when it's wise to be cautious. But he's given these teenagers, children, a book and the idea to go out into the woods on their own at night in a cave. Yeah, but he didn't die in the cave, did he? No, I know he didn't die in the cave, but... I don't know. I don't see... I don't see... I don't see that. I don't necessarily see it. I'm just saying... I just It was something that occurred to me. I was like, eh, maybe. If they had found a better way of getting the knight into the cave or something, if they could come up with it themselves or something, I don't know. Actually, on that note, because I'll forget otherwise, I fucking love that first scene where they run out through the forest in their long coats and the hoods up. And the music in this, like, the snow, I just... I don't know actually if there's snow, there's snow in the scene. There's no snow. After Neil dies. But the, when they're running through the woods to the cave for the first time, I just fucking love that. There's no snow. Okay. Well, I I also love the scene after Neil died where they're running towards the lake in their long coats and stuff as well. They Those scenes did remind me of Harry Potter and I wished that Harry Potter had had that kind of atmosphere on those, those scenes. But anyway, I love those. That was... Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful scenery. Well, this was our episode. Thank you for tuning in into our second special. We'll be back in two weeks' time with the second season of Enterprise. We're very excited. There may be changes coming. Uh, We are still uh, talking the specifics. We're trying to be better at podcasting, so (laughs) I think uh, adapting is good. Always trying to be better. Yes. So we'll see you guys, or talk to you guys, rather, in two weeks' time for the first episode, which is a part two. So if you have anything that you would like to add or comment or just insult us about, engagement is good, as we've said before, I think. You can email us at podmeupscotty at gmail.com. Don't say don't invite them, because engagement is good. But not negative engagement. All engagement is good. Social media doesn't care. And speaking of social media, you can message us or send us love and hate to at Scotty on X Twitter because it's X and, I and it, X, there. it used to be yeah. X Twitter, uh, Instagram and TikTok. And we'll see you guys then. Bye. Bye. Scotty, come in. Up home. I'd love to hear Shakespeare in Australian accent. That would be great. To bear or nor to bear? <laughs> what was that? Oh my god! To bear or what? nor to bear? What? That's my Australian impression. Nor. <laughs> oh my god! I'm so sorry, Australian listeners. Uh... <laughs> yeah.